The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Hello, Bob Harris. Now that we've discovered that you are the dot matrix printer of the world, which is a hell of a sight better than a, than most laser jets, you know, but I like the sound effects that you were making. That's for sure. So it must be a good morning. I have my moments. Uh, I, I do have my moments. And also, uh, I just want to start this out. Hello, Matt Wallman. How are you? I hope all is well. And it seems like you're in a jovial mood. Some things must be going well. Um, Taylor Swift, feel it or fuck it. Oh, fuck it. I mean, I, I don't have anything against Taylor Swift. <laughs> I don't think I've. I don't think I can tell you what a Taylor Swift song is. Um, I just know that there's a, this thing called Swifties, and I know that they're all like probably you know all the football people who are trying to cash in on some clicks keep talking about how how Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift or whatever. I I'm just more interested in the game, not the game outside the game. <laughs> it's business. Uh, this uh, this just in. Uh, the marketing folks tend to overplay their hands at times. Um, this might be one of them. <laughs> Gee, really? I, otherwise, otherwise, I don't really have a big problem with any of this. Yeah, I don't either, though. I think there's a guy named Chad Forbes who probably overplayed his hand a little bit on Twitter with, with his tasteless joke about the whole thing. Oh, no. I did see oh, that no. this morning. Oh, yeah, no. something about a dead fish. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of, like, more the the living, Christian Kirk is alive and well it looks like at least after last week a lot of people left him for dead where are you so, i'm like this is a reinforcement of something that we talk about every summer on the football diehards program mike dempsey and i we do tons of drafts and we often invest in the cheaper portion of you know things right like there's the jaguars wide receivers well there came a point where calvin ridley was incredible you know the the price was rising and not to say I didn't have Calvin Ridley, but there came a point where, wow, Christian, Christian Kirk's way cheap. <laughs> I think I'll take the cheaper piece of this offense. And so if you did that, you're probably going to be pretty happy. But, I mean, the theory is that Christian Kirk's days come against man defenses. And and maybe that should be the expectation. So, you know, it, I mean, I do think Calvin Ridley's better than the numbers have borne out right at this point. I mean, I guess you are what your results are. Uh, but I think he's still a better player than what the results have been the last couple of weeks. He's been really close on some touchdowns. He got the touchdown in London. That was great. But, but I I think this will all course correct over the cor over the over the coming weeks. I think you know Calvin Ridley will probably be the, still be the piece you want to have every week. But there's going to be weeks where you'll be happy you had Kirk. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the, the Zay Jones injury probably solidified enough for Kirk yep. because I know there were some folks at the site that I work at who were kind of like. Christian Kirk is dead. Zay Jones has taken over for him. And I kind of felt like that that was a little premature only from the standpoint that um, last year there were there. I think there were eight games, if I remember correctly, where Kirk was out, out targeted and out snapped by Zay Jones. So the snap data to me was a little immature about that. And I and I bet that Kirk probably is a little bit more favorable towards zone cover um, man coverage. Um, and Ridley, I agree with you. I, I've been touting Kirk all summer as like he's going to be close enough to Ridley that you're getting the discount and, and getting a, a you know, a yeah, equally it, productive player. 
it may well turn out we all overpaid for Ridley, and and and, and if that's the case, everyone will be in the same boat who has. So are we in that boat with Jonu Smith and Kyle Pitts? Look, you know, I want Kyle Pitts to be a thing, and I don't want to offend the uh, analytics folks by just, you know, I I know they're all there. I know the underlying things are all there for a huge breakout. We get we don't get the breakout. I'm I'm not going to keep pretending it's coming. Right. Uh, you know, I hope it does. I hope he's a great player, but it, it just at this point, I don't know if this is a, a, uh, you know, first of all, the Smith connection. I smell a rat here. Arthur, Johnu, something's going on. Um, <laughs> like, like, you know, I, I just, I feel like, you know, we, we've, ex- the expectations have been so high for Kyle oh, Pitts all along. We're trying, we're trying to, uh, we're trying to justify, you know, the, the continued playing of them. I'm, I'm not playing them and I, I'm not playing John Dewey Smith either uh, for that on that. And, 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 and Drake London remains a tough wide receiver three decision for me because why this passing attack is dependent on Desmond Ritter until Arthur Smith has a greater level of trust in him. And I know the, 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 the positive thing on Desmond Ritter was, well, he's not turning the ball up. Oh, okay. Now he is. Now what's the justification? So I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not excited about any passing piece in the, any receiving piece or passing piece in this offense at this point in time. In fact, I'm no longer all that interested in Tyler Algier. B. John Robinson is the only piece that you can safely play in this offense. Yeah, Jonah Smith is basically the second read or the schemed play option that occasionally hits big. Um, because other teams are concerned with the rest of the players and Desmond Ritter can't really move from one to the other. And the best analytic for quarterback decision, you know, for quarterbacks in terms of interceptions that are likely coming is just watching how they make decisions. And when you watch how they make decisions, you see that this guy really doesn't know the difference between a good cover, a favorable coverage throw and an unfavorable coverage target and it, they were coming and they're here now I, and also i mean isn't this like basically what john smith was in tennessee yeah same yeah. thing he's sloppy seconds right. you know and he's not always going to get sloppy seconds so Apparently. i i yeah so so i would just look at it that way is that uh you know just you know just like what you probably all thought when i said sloppy seconds He's probably that dude hanging out at that club that he's probably striking out way more often than he's hitting. So um, Jordan Love, on the other hand, that I have has Jordan Love been speaking of man coverage? Has Jordan Love been found out? Because I watched yesterday, I watched yesterday the the Thursday night game, and what I did notice is that you know against the Bears with all that zone coverage, he looked really good. Against the Falcons with that zone coverage, he had a lot of good moments. Last week against the Detroit Lions, who early on played tons of man coverage, Jordan Love didn't look so good. Um, so are we? Are where? Where? Are, what are you thinking? I mean, how? I mean, to, you know, if we're if we're being honest, how good has he looked? I mean, what does the completion percentage tell us? I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, it's been the touchdowns have come, and that's why he's looked great, and I, and I'm fine with that, right? Touchdowns count, and you can't take them away once he's got them. But I think all along there was a little bit of concern that that 55-ish percent completion percentage was was going to was going to rear its ugly head, and and you know, and and maybe it will continue on. I'm still going to go with where I've been at on him is. Uh, he's a young quarterback who's probably better than we expected. Um, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He has good, young, talented players around him, a lot of speed in that offense, or at least in that receiving core. 
and I think he'll be a serviceable quarterback to play. Uh, you know, if you're in a if you're in a super flex league and you've waited late and you got him, you'll probably be okay with it. And if there's weeks during the bye, you have to play him. Hope it's touchdown week. Yeah, and he is, you know, when he has to, unlike say C.J. Stroud, who we'll talk about maybe a little bit at, down the line at some point. Um, he isn't as confident against man coverage at this stage. And I think part of that too is your receivers. You mentioned those right. young receivers. They're young. He's young. He's still in his rookie phase in terms of the number of starts that he's had. Maybe not the number of years he's been around the team. And so, you know, being on the same page with your receivers, that that can take a little bit of time. That's probably about five to seven percentage points in completion percentage. And look, this this was part of the plan. They told us this. That, you know, they, why do they have all these young receivers? They want them to grow together with Jordan Love for future success. I believe they realized this might be a developmental year, or not a developmental year, but less than less competitive year than maybe the fans are used to. But that doesn't mean Jordan Love is bad or you know coming short of expectations or anything. I think he's exceeding expectations because the touchdowns have been there. Certainly fantasy expectations, but I think he's exactly what the Packers knew he was because why they're with him every damn day. Uh, and like I, a lot of times we you know we get these ideas in our mind as fantasy managers. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Jameer this Gibbs. This needs that. <laughs> Shut up about Jameer Gibbs, fucker. Um, this is, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, <you're> triggered. <laughs> but I like. Uh, but but you're right because I mean I'm feeling Jordan Love still. I mean I, maybe not for you know maybe not we're looking at him as a redraft no. QB one, but that's not really been the right expectation as you said. You know it's it's just let him grow. Let him develop. Exactly. You know, yes. So I feel that. Yeah. Matt Waldman, I feel that. I'm glad. We'll put you back in a jovial spirit. How about Chris Godwin? Does he do that for you? Um, no, what he does for me is he validates uh, a theory I espoused all offseason long, which was uh less than ideal quarterback situations don't necessarily mean horrible outcomes for wide receivers. And we're seeing that with Mike Evans as well. Or, and, 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 and other players. We see it every darn year, and, but, but in our minds, our illicit brains uh, inflate these perceived uh, you know, shortcomings into the worst possible outcomes to protect us. This goes back to you know, the caveman times when that mouse outside the cave might have been a saber-toothed tiger, right? You had to be ready for stuff, and we do the same thing with the, these situations. And, 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 and I think you know, like, it's not going to be great every week, um, but like if you and Godwin's ADP was ahead of Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is going to turn out again. Another point of investing in cheaper pieces of things over the course of the season is going to be just fine. But so is Chris Godwin. I think he's going to be a perfectly serviceable player. I think this week was a little more than you should expect on a weekly basis, though. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, obviously with Mike Evans having the, the halftime hamstring um, pull. And at least that he didn't get thrown out. out. Yeah, at least he didn't. He and Marcus Lattimore, you know, or Marshawn Lattimore Behave. behaved themselves. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, Baker Mayfield looks the same to me. I mean, like you you see certain throws that he makes well, certain things in the pocket that he doesn't. Depends on how well the, the offensive line can protect him and how quickly he can get the ball out. And Godwin to me was always going to be um, the guy that I thought was going to be the second banana to, to Evans. So I'm a little bit more surprised 
Um, but part of it is, too, that he's a year healthier, and Godwin's a do-everything receiver. He's probably one of my favorite receivers in the league. So if you need him to be a little Mike Evans-like, he can be. If you need him to be a little bit more Keenan Allen-like, he can be. Um, they talked about him, you know, this, uh, there was the talk this summer was they wanted to use him less in the slot. They wanted to use him more outside this year because they felt yeah. like that got him beat up a little bit. That was part of the, you know, yeah. the reason for the injuries and stuff. And so he is, he is kind of a versatile guy. So, yeah. um, I'm, like, I think these guys are going to turn out to be reasonably good values when all is said and done. Yeah. Alvin Kamara, 13 receptions on upon his return. Not a lot of yardage, but uh, <laughs> what did you think? Um, I I thought it was like if you played Alvin Kamara, you're pretty happy in PPR that he caught 13 of those passes. It was the overall offense was really inefficient in this game, and you know maybe it had something to maybe those maybe all those targets had to do with the uh, shoulder soreness of one uh, Derek Carr. I, you know, by soreness I mean injury. Uh, he was playing with a sprained AC joint, and he says that's not the reason why he being Carr that the offense was not as you know going deep as much and. Chris Olave is <laughs> probably hoping got, that's the case. I got two consecutive passes to Chris Olave. One was underthrown and one was both were underthrown actually. Um that that would say otherwise about the Yeah, shoulder. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that's probably a made up thing by uh, Derek Carr. Like he's you know, he says it's no excuse, but you know, I don't you know, maybe he just doesn't want to say it's an excuse, but it's a reason. It's an explanation. He's playing yeah. with a bad shoulder and he's not hundred percent and I think it says more about Jameis Winston than it does about anything else that <laughs> they still want to, you know, uh, shoehorn an injured Derek Carr into that offense rather than taking their chances with yeah. Jameis Winston. Yeah, everybody. Uh, but I thought Camaro was great, and I thought the workload was great, and I hope he does more. But don't expect the don't expect that heavy targeting uh, every damn week. Yeah, though I will say this: um, for the weeks that that for as long as that shoulder is an issue, I would expect it just from the standpoint from the game script. What we saw was. <laughs> A lot of second and shorts and third and shorts where it was like, we can scheme a little play up and no one's going to be able to cover Kamara um, tight enough unless they play him, you know, unless they press him at the line. And if you do that, you're altering your defense in some ways that may expose you in, in the back end in other ways. So I, Kamara, to me, at least as long as Carr is out, is going to be a fun PPR play even if the yardage isn't quite there he looked good on the ground he was decisive yeah. as ever he there were a couple plays that maybe he maybe if he were in mid-season form he would yep. have broken those tackles but the decisions are and the, and the intensity is there super encouraged by that yeah yeah Chris Olave are you I mean I, I still love I still love his game just don't know he pretty much got shut out last week and a lot of that had to do with those throws that Carr couldn't make. So, right, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the, the the inability to throw, like you know, Alvin Kamara said, this is this nonsense can't stand, right? I mean, you know, I, I mean, the, I think everyone, you know, in New Orleans realizes they can't run the offense like that. So maybe this forces a decision on, you know, hey, maybe we need to sit Carr down for a little bit. Like if Jameis is in, what does he lead the uh, world in air yards on his passes? Of, you know, the games yeah. he started. Uh, so. <clears throat> So, I, I mean, I think that's how – but either way, I, I mean, at some point, Derek Carr will also feel better, and uh, this will all be okay. In the meantime, I, I don't know how you sit Chris Olave uh, or who you're sitting him for. I think that's probably the better question. Who do you have that you want to, you know, sit Chris Olave for? Probably nobody. You're going to keep yeah. playing Chris Olave and hope that he can make some plays and hope that the other pieces that you've built around him are also making plays and making enough of them to carry you through during his downtime if it is downtime i would probably make an argument just to have fun with this and say maybe adam thielen i would sit 
I would sit a okay. lot of for Adam no, Thielen I think that's, or, I think that's some, fair. Who's a later round sure. guy that probably people got at a bargain, you know, sure. but it's got to be something like that right. where it's a good match. He's just, he's on a tear. It's good matchups. Nobody else is really like stood up week after week to like take over for what he's doing. And there's only a handful <clears throat> of guys like that. So. I agree. There's a, there's a Nico Collins. Yeah. I mean, I'd be playing, you know, I could play the hell out of him right now. So, I mean, there are probably guys you drafted in the double-digit rounds who have risen up. I think we just nailed the two of them. Yeah. And maybe there are more that aren't coming immediately to mind. But, but I mean, that's a tough decision every week. You're probably thinking that there's maybe an outlier guy that you can get out of your lineup that yeah. you weren't real happy with and that you'll hope that a lobby course corrects while you're playing the higher end. And that's kind of what I meant when yeah. I say you, you're hoping the other pieces you've built around him are rising up. But it is fair. I mean... Dude, on the radio show all week, Dempsey could not play enough Adam Thielen. Yeah. You know, I feel like we do this and, you know, we're talking about this constantly. And I get these feelings where I like, I've just like, I've gone overboard on a player because I get asked a hundred questions, the same question. And I give the same answer. And by the time you've said that a hundred times, you're going, God, I think I've said this a lot. I'm feeling yeah. like I'm really uncomfortable that I've said it so many times, but it's still the right answer. Right. So, yeah. and so, 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 yeah. so Thielen Collins, Puka Nakua, obviously. Yeah, for sure. You know, those those are good. Tutu Atwell might be one of those too. Yeah, Michael Wilson might be one of those. We'll talk about him in a moment. But Sam Howell, let's talk about Sam Howell. He had a tough week, you know, uh, against the Bills, who also baited Tua Tungavailoa in a way. Stay tuned for that in this week's top ten. I'm going to go into detail about how they baited Tua and how they how really NFL defenses bait young and veteran quarterbacks in ways that you don't see in the college game. But Howell seemed to rebound, you know, um, this week. I thought he had a, a fairly nice rebound effort. Um, so, you know, what do you think of him? Where, where are you at? I think, I think we, we have reached the def- definition of Sam Howell. Uh, he's not going to be very consistent. There are going to be good weeks and there are going to be not so great weeks. And I don't know that the not great weeks are Sam Howell's fault. Might be the fault of his uh, offensive line. At least that's been the case so far, uh, one to one or two times. So, um, like I guess the, the the hope is, what were you drafting him as? I think people were drafting him an awful lot in best ball, thinking he'd have a little bit of rushing equity and maybe give him a little something. But I mean, mostly as like a third quarterback, not even a second quarterback. Yeah. I think oh, he's still fuck. I messed up and didn't get right. my second quarterback in time. Or that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think I think that's exactly what he is. And I think the the bigger question is, you know, can he more consistently fuel the fantasy fortunes of the pieces we're interested in? Terry McLaurin and uh Jahan Dotson, and of course in my case, Curtis Samuel, because yes, I draft Curtis Samuel relentlessly at the ends of every draft. And because the yesterday happens. Right, so uh, and, and probably not as often as is my drafting of him merits. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> but I think that's the thing. And, and you know, for me, McLaurin, it's interesting. He's just not getting the target share of a true wide receiver one so far this season. If he gets that, I think he's going to be perfectly fine. And the same how can feel those fortunes and Jahan Dotson. Maybe another case of where the fantasy world is a little bit ahead of the the NFL world. The the, the fantasy cycle moves a little quicker. In the NFL cycle, it turns out. Yeah, we're always anticipating how this breakout's going to happen, when right, it's going right. to happen, and what we see. And, you know, I'm feeling Sam Howell for what he is. He's in that same tier as Jordan Love for me, which is um, a player who is developing. You see good things out of his game. 
You see that there's some elements to the offense that they're really fitting around well with him. And against good teams that can shut down that offense and make things a little bit more difficult, he's going to struggle. But when you put him in situations where he can win, he's going to stand in the pocket. He's going to be tough. He's going to make throws around defenders. He's going to you know, find those openings and hit them well. And he's ag- aggressive and can buy time just well enough. I like him. I like him more than the guy to be honest with you, that we're going to talk about next. Maybe it's just because he's a stealer, but it's Kenny Pickett. Are you feeling Kenny Pickett? Your anti-Yinzer sentiments are horrifying to me. I think it's a – fuck that. No, I don't care. I don't care about Yinzers. <laughs> I, I like Bloom. I like, I like some of these Yinzers. I like but, all uh, those guys too, but they're like my they're my, they're like my younger brother that, that seems to, uh, right, to get the better of us every occasion. <laughs> Um, like, I don't know if I'm mad at Kenny Pickett or Matt Canada or just everything in general. I mean, I liked, uh, Mike Tomlin's comments after the game. Is any of you going to change things? Hell yes. We're going to change things. So the first thing they're going to change is probably Kenny Pickett's going to take a seat for a little while and be great. Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we'll get the call and we'll find out maybe how much we miss, uh, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my guess. Uh, like I always thought like Mitch Trubisky could be like, you know, like the like a like a semi high level Sam Howell, right? Yeah. Like, but but he keeps telling me he can't. <laughs> every time that every time I talk myself into that position, Mitch Trubisky says, "Nah, probably not." He doesn't so, know how to delegate. That's the right. problem. He take he plays too much hero ball and he ends up right, a zero. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so uh, like I don't know. I, I feel like this is a bigger problem than the quarterback. Uh, you know, he doesn't have Deontay Johnson, and I don't know what those other receivers are, you know, necessarily helping fill the hole, fill the void that that he left open. And 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 the rushing attack has a fit is on point. It was pretty good in this game. Way to go, Najee. Love yeah, Harris. Good Harris. Yeah. Oh, to Harris. Love that. Yeah. Um uh, but but I don't know that that's gonna be the norm either. So I don't know. I've I i i am not feeling like fortunately nobody drafted him to be their starter. Uh, maybe you got him as a second quarterback in your super flex or two QB leagues based on a really strong exhibition season. And if that's the case, I hope you have Sam Howell. You know, when you're, you know, when you're like about to fall asleep and just as you're about to fall asleep, something like your body has that whole sensation where it jerks, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and you're jerked awake from what that is. I, I call that a case of the pickets when you see, you know, except that it happens to, to, to pick it when he's, when he doesn't see pressure or doesn't know that the pressure is, you know, coming right at him and it, he discovers it maybe a little bit later than he expected. Even if it's like still like five or six steps away, he still gets a case of the pickets. I, think so, you were just, I thought you were about to tell me I was putting you to sleep. <laughs> No, 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 no. My voice is for putting people to sleep. So, this is true. You, you know, that's, I you, feel you know, that. My, my wife likes to, you're joke. like a lullaby. My wife likes to joke that I'm the, that, that I should talk trash, that I'm the one podcast that wives allow husbands to, <laughs> to, 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 to listen to while they're Man, both in the bedroom. So, behind the scenes, people, this is just for you, Matt. You don't have to listen to this part. When I get on the phone with Matt, uh, it's usually for like three hours at a time. And it's the most relaxing thing. It's like going to get a massage. I just, it's like people are pouring honey all over me for three hours. Ah, it's very soothing. So speaking of players that are soothing, I would say one, it, this actually the next two players aren't even remotely soothing. They're very exciting. And I would say that's Anthony Richardson 
Anthony Richardson, did you see? I saw. The, yeah, I mean, what the fuck was that throw <laughs> with Aaron Donald? Basically, a jump throw with Aaron Donald in his chest holding him, and mm. he still manages to use all arm to throw it pretty darn accurate 42 yards downfield. That was probably <clears throat> the most... That was the most physically insane throw I've seen this season. Uh, so there was one play yesterday I thought that was like not quite that level, but the, where Justin Herbert escaped uh, the rap, the, the the near sack and then rolled out and still threw the ball down the field. I thought that was an amazing play too. Like, wow, Justin Herbert. Um, and, and be careful, young man. Your fingers are valuable. Um, look, I think Anthony Richardson is turning into the thing that I'd hoped he was, which is the the big winning lottery ticket, right? The scratcher that pays off and was a cheap purchase, right? So or he got more expensive as we went along. Um, but like I think he's exactly what you would hope he would be, right? I mean, we've seen the the whole range there. There are times when it's not going to be great, and he's a rookie and doesn't have a lot of playing experience, and this was going to be a work in progress. But also, the upside is still there. And just thanks to his remarkable physical attributes, he's going to make a ton of plays that are going to keep you in games and keep him in your lineup. Yeah, and listen, it goes beyond that for me. You look at the footwork. It's right. so buttery smooth and fast. It's he is he. This is a lot of players you watch with their footwork. Justin Fields is a good example, who we'll talk about later. But even Pickett, many other guys, they're they're hesitant. They're not quite not sure. They're not quite sure of what they're seeing, and their feet are a reflection of that. What when Richardson knows what he's doing, and a lot of times he really does. It's it's very immediate, very smooth, confident, and he's able to set up and fire the ball, um, you know, with a great deal of confidence and fit the ball where it needs to be. And he can do it on on script, off script, in the pocket, on script, in the pocket, off script, which is something that you don't normally see. He had a number of throws in that game that were fantastic and. And really, if Kylan Granson doesn't drop right. a deep <laughs> yep. back shoulder throw, yep, yep, yep. that's the ball game. I mean, yep. you know, it was probably the best game on TV for my for my money when I, it came to watching quarterbacks because of the other guy, Matthew Stafford, right. who suffers a hip injury l- late in the game and guts it out. And early in the game, one of the the tight window throws he made was the best tight window throw I saw. I'm, I'm going to tell season. you. I'm going to tell you. I feel Matthew Stafford 100. percent Like I feel. I feel Anthony Richardson. I think he's. You know, the Colts have to be super pleased with the investment they made. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Panthers probably. You know, wrinkling their. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, also when they Michael see Michael Lombardi's Stroud, probably like passed out somewhere thing. right now. Doing you know? the same thing, but uh, but like I think Matthew Stafford, if if he gets. Get some time. Just give him some time. We saw the other side of that coin in in Cincinnati, right? I mean, when he doesn't get time, he's going to get hammered. And it's not going to go as well, obviously. But give him some time. He is a really good quarterback with a really good arm. And I would be not feeling great if I was uh, upcoming opponents knowing Cooper Cup was coming back and seeing the talent they developed in uh, Pukunuku and Tutu Atwell. I, I owe, once again, every time I speak his name, I owe Tutu Atwell an apology. Hey, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I know that the wind, I know the wind can blow him, you know, in any direction, but he seems to be tough enough to withstand 
you know, <sighs> defender hits and make plays. So all all love to him for that. Van Jefferson but, should be like, what the hell am I not doing? <laughs> catching the ball and using that's correct it. Hand position that you're that, but that your wide receiver coach should show you. Oh, but your dad was a wide receiver coach who'd have the same problem. So you know, this is again, Sean Jefferson's a good wide receiver coach, and Jim Van Jefferson's a pretty good wide receiver. But you know, yeah, Stafford. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, just understand what people show you. And I still remember, and I know many of you may not have been football fans way back in the day when when they actually, like, allowed you to hit quarterbacks. But yes. I remember that game with Dante Culpepper as a lion and Stafford was a rookie way back when. And he gets knocked out of the game or seemingly knocked out of the game. And he basically runs out onto the field anyway and Culpepper standing there on the sideline like I thought I was supposed to be in and then makes a crazy play to win the ball game, you, you know. Um, and I want to say, I don't remember who that was against. I want to say it was ironically against the Rams, but I don't think it was. It was probably it was probably a different team. I cannot remember. But, uh, but sometimes, you know, Stafford is probably one of the toughest quarterbacks we've had of this generation. He's got that kind of... You know, almost that Brett Favre, Steve McNair kind of thing going on where, you know, he's had his share of very difficult injuries and still manages to play through them. And I just didn't, he's one of those guys, he's like that pet you had that like, or at least the pet I had that's been like in fights with other pets, un unfortunately, or wild animals or, or won't stay indoors and been hit by cars and all sorts of things. And you're like, I give up because if this animal lives like three or four years, it'll probably be a record and it lives 15 years. Right. You know, that's Matthew Stafford's career in a nutshell is he's that guy you think he's not going to have a five-year career in this league at the rate that he's going. And now here he is in the, as the elder statesman and still tough as nails, totally feeling him with Cooper Cup coming back. Um, if they can get a little bit more dynamic skill in the run game, they will be really dangerous. Even if they don't, with the way this line's blocking, they're, they still have good offense. They're just not against great teams um, or teams that can foil the, them with a good scheme. Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson, two touchdowns with Joshua Dobbs, the aerospace engineer. So sometimes I like to go back to my Sesame Street days, and, and it's as simple as this. One of these things is not like the others. Right. Yeah. And I'm feeling Michael Wilson is being not like the others. He is a bigger body. He gives them a different presence in the, in the receiving core. And I think he's probably a guy that should have been on people's radar going into the season. I've talked a little bit about this whole theory of, you know, he's the different piece and, uh, and the opportunities I think will continue to come. I mean, it's not like he's a super high end play because uh, it's no. the Cardinals, but, but he's, he's a different piece in an offense that needs a different piece. There's a bunch of, uh, smaller fellows uh and uh, you know rondale moore didn't get enough backfield work uh greg dorch is like didn't get enough Forgotten return work man. right and so uh, you know i i just feel like this is uh you know he's he, michael wilson seemed like he was coming walking into a job and i think he's doing it yep he is he is the best blocker on the team partially due to his size, but mostly due to his technique. He combo blocks defensive ends and works up the linebackers well. He can handle linebackers and work out to safeties. He plays with high effort. He And one of the things you want to see with wide receivers with route running 
is a, a balance between patience and suddenness. You want to be able to set defenders up patiently, and then when you pull the trigger with the move, it needs to be sudden. Well, he's a tier above sudden. He's violent when he when he makes moves, and he put two. He his violence just with his movement, not with any contact with defenders. Put two 49ers defensive backs on the ground in this game. I believe. I believe ran. what you're trying to say is Bob Harris's Sesame Street analogy. Your Sesame Street analogy. You're feeling. I'm totally yeah. feeling it. I I totally am feeling that. And he's he's the best route runner on the team. And so I think that yeah, you're you're not gonna. Be, he's not gonna be the guy you're gonna have replace Chris Olave. Um, you know, on that list. But in a few weeks, if it keeps up, he might. Excuse Bless me. you, Matt Waldman. Another Bless thing for the Zoomers coming. to be mad about with the RSP cast audio is that I cough and sneeze occasionally. So, sorry, guys. Yeah, it's just real world. So, just you're going to have to deal with it. We don't live a in a sanitized bubble. Um, how about Michael Wiley or Josh Wiley? Josh Wiley. So, see Johnny Smith. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. Like, like, like this is the, the, the Titans offense has gone for full circle, right? When the Titans offense is working, Derrick Henry is going to have 122 yards. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to throw a touchdown pass and it's going to be to a tight end. And you're not going to know who it is in advance. Agreed. Got no more to say about that one. Tank Dell. Feeling, <clears throat> still feeling tank. Yeah, I'm still feeling tank, right? Like, you know, I, I I did feel like the the momentum had built a little more than it needed to, and that there was going to be course correction weeks. This was probably it. Some, you know, the the twenty targets over the previous two weeks are great, and as much as they're throwing the football and seem unable to run it, those numbers are not like necessarily sustainable, but they're still within the realm of possibility. So he remains a flex level play for me. Uh, but everyone who is trying to shove him ahead of Nico Collins should not no. do that. No, I think this is a situation where it depends on scheme. And what goes on, and I think if you have good safety play um, and tight coverage with that good safety play, Nico Collins is the play. If you have erratic safety play and you're playing a little bit more zone, Tank Dell is going to be your man, most likely. Um, or just good matchups against um, coverage that isn't, you know, man-to-man -man isn't very strong. So, you know, look at, look at the cornerbacks. Look at the feeling safeties. this cat sneaking up yeah. on me. That's what I'm feeling. See that? There you go. Well, you know that cat is that cat's name nickname Russell because <laughs> I think Russell's sneaking up on some people a little bit in Denver with the way that he's been playing lately and lack of great receiver play. Yeah, I don't know that he's sneaking up on anybody. I mean, he's, it's been pretty consistently productive, right? Yeah. And he's you know benefited from this past week a good matchup. You should have expected uh, you know a good game, and I did. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think he's the piece of this th this offense you can trust right now, uh, you know, and, you know, which is hard to believe. But, um, you know, until we get, you know, like I think Cortland Sutton's still playable. Jerry yeah. Judy's still playable. Uh, well, you know, I don't know if any of the running backs are, you know, I'm like forcing them into lineups at the moment. I thought this would be a Javante week and he got hurt, right? So yeah. uh, not, not much you can do about that. But Russell Wilson, I think, is a weekly guy that you should need to consider right now i would totally agree with that and part of the things that i love about this offense is that they figured out quick passing get get the ball out fast get it to jerry judy not in the intermediate range of the field get him to him on those quick slants get him to him in the short range where he can use that that quickness against linebackers um who don't have a running start on him you know that 
when he's matched up against safeties, maybe that quickness is a little overplayed. But when you when, when you get him in the shallow range of the field, he's able to get yardage after the catch. I'm feeling like this whole Judy talk, you're avoiding my Cortland Sutton favored play, is like a, a veiled microaggression against me. That's what I feel. You know, report that to HR. See what they have to say to about say, that. Fuck you, know? you. Yeah, not HR. <laughs> Hold on. Where is he? <laughs> HR. HR's got his ass turned to you. That's all I gotta say. You know, all right, fair and enough. and he's not. He hasn't made any sounds yet, but he also did just eat about twenty minutes ago. So, Fine. yeah. But uh, but I yeah. I Cortland Sutton is a is definitely a startable player who can give you good work and may be the top receiver on this team. But I'd say that uh, I'd also say look out for Marvin Mims because when when it was fourth quarter they were down and then the in just the inexplicable play calling that led to a turnover on downs and of course you knew the offense was going to try the shot play who do they stick in there as the shot play receiver Marvin Mims huge big play and that <clears throat> tells you something about how the coaches are feeling about him so now Cortland Sutton. End of the season, we might have Marvin Mims as the Christian Watson. Yeah, I feel that it's, this is another case where, you know, our fantasy expectations or how we see things are different, how coaches see things. We see the huge plays and uh, the, the great things that he's done. Coaches see the broader picture and the things he's not doing, and he'll do over time, and hopefully, you know, that time will be this season, and he'll continue to progress and earn more playing time uh, and bring that big play ability with him in more playing time yeah. will be more big plays. I'm feeling Russell Wilson because I think they figured out what to get the most out of him right now. Yep. So that's works. Justin Fields, <clears throat> are you feeling what you saw last week, notwithstanding some of the errors at the end of the game? I'm feeling the, the quarterback who needed to have a big game against a defense that gave up 70 points to the <laughs> Miami Dolphins the week before and 30-plus points to the Commanders the week before that. I mean – this was a game he needed to deliver in my mind. Um, and he did and good on him. And, uh, you know, maybe to the, you know, you know, I feel like you just visited the HR office with that response. <laughs> I feel like, he, <laughs> like he seems, it seems like, you know, his comments about the coaching may have been more correct than Chase Claypool's comments about the coaching. I would agree with that. I think he has, uh, I think Justin Field is, far more self-aware and I'm feeling Luke Getzey for responding and realizing that people kept saying to him, stop trying to make him into Aaron Rodgers." Yeah. Because Luke Getzey's first job as a quarterback coach was to basically sit and watch Aaron Rodgers do his job. I know he did more than that, but right. to say it, he coached Aaron Rodgers, Yeah. Maybe on scheme, but that's, you know, again, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves as, as the Kelsey's have said is, um, as Howie Long's son had said, Kyle Long, a lot of a lot of these guys are faking it till they make it in the NFL. Yep. And we've been I've been saying that for years as well. So again, Justin Fields played much smoother, much faster. Drops were quicker. He seemed to you know have incorporated a, more pieces. Yep, he absolutely did. He felt he looked a lot more comfortable. And when you're comfortable, and when the when the difficult plays come up, you're not overthinking. And you're making big plays. Now, the two big plays he had that sucked, he had a rollout into into a blitz that you wished he had seen that blitz and got rid of it, um, known that he had a plan before he rolled into it. Um, so that caused the fumble and, and really turned the game. And then you had the then you had the sneak 
whole thing with the coaches where they had a lane for a sneak and then they call timeout and then they hand the ball to Khalil Herbert and that that game's that's pretty much game over at that point. But Khalil Herbert, did you like what you see or again was this another the Denver Broncos basically rolled over and died on the right side of their defense <clears throat> for the past two to four weeks? Mm, thank you, Vance Joseph. Um, you know, I, you don't want to put it on the coach, but it seems like it's been a repeatable thing. You would make some adjustments. The adjustments have not been made. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I like, I think that's the Khalil Herbert you think you will see, uh, from time to time, but I don't think it's going to be a consistent, uh, consistent thing going forward. I think it'll be, I think there'll be continued ups and downs. Uh, he's kind of what he, I, I think he's, he remains what he is. I mean, every week I have some decisions with him. Um, and, uh, and most of them go against him, and I think they'll continue to. Yeah, Denver linebacker number 42. Um, I will just say Nick Benito um, not having the best few weeks um, in terms of how he reacts to uh, stimuli um, that maybe he shouldn't jump five steps inside on certain plays where he, he's basically giving up a rushing lane. Um, certainly Benito's just really been, you know, having a rough go at it. So yeah, Denver, Denver on the side of the field, just awful. Um, one of the worst defenses by, uh, in terms of Aaron Schatz's DVOA in history, apparently officially now after four games, they have the worst DVOA of any defense in history. Now we'll see if that keeps up. I think it probably will. Um, based on what we've seen though, the safeties have been a little bit banged up. Maybe they'll help out because they've been involved in that massacre too. Um, still, I'm feeling what they they did with Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert ran hard and played with the effort that he should. Um, but you're right. They're going to face defenses that, um, that are a little bit more prepared and don't overreact to things. We've already talked about Marvin Mims. Well, you didn't. You didn't say nothing. Did. You did. Did you? I yeah, did. okay. I co-signed. I, I mean, I, I I talked a lot about him. What are you talking about? I He's was, a guy that's going to progress. Well, you don't even listen. A, HR was in my in, in my <laughs> ear. That was the problem. That or biting my foot. I don't know which one. But Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs. Are you triggered? Are you are you like the rest of the people on Twitter so, who were expecting, <sighs> expecting greatness out of the gate? So I am like those people who expected greatness. I don't know that I necessarily expected it out of the gate, although I expected more than I'm getting. Um, but part of that is David Montgomery's been really good, and you should expect people to be really good running behind that offensive line, even though they've been dealing with some injuries. Um, <clears throat> I want to say the stack boxes have worked in Montgomery's favor, them not being a lot of them, or you know their teams aren't really focused on stopping him because there's a lot of weapons that they have to deal with down the field and another one coming back this week and Jamison Williams will get a better feel for what that guy is uh, soon enough as well. So, but one thing he is, is able to run past almost anybody on the field and that opens up things even further. So that might make Montgomery's life easier. Like he's getting targets still, Jameer Gibbs. He's still part of the offense. Um, this is another case. I just want to restate this. What we're seeing is, you know, look, we know a couple things. The Lions loved him. The Lions wanted him. They were willing to burn high-end draft capital on him. Teams don't lie. And get rid of DeAndre Swift for him. Right, to get rid of DeAndre Swift for him. You would hope that uh, Philadelphia's success with DeAndre Swift might give them a sense of urgency uh, to at least make them not look so stupid. But uh, they don't care about the they don't care about the same things we care about. Uh, they care about winning games. And, and at some point, 
uh, Jameer Gibbs will pay off. Will it be to the, you know, will he end up paying off to the price we paid for him or I paid for him, certainly? Um, I'm hoping so, and I'm not giving up on that notion, but this is going to be a timeshare at, at the very least uh, favoring David Montgomery until it can't be. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we'll just, you know, we'll just have to hope that Jameer Gibbs' playmaking ability starts showing through a little more as he gets a little more acclimated to this level of play. It favors David Montgomery for two reasons. One is that he is a very good personal um, pocket protector for Jared Goff. He's an excellent blocker in a way that J Jameer Gibbs never was and probably will never be to the level that Montgomery is. So when you, when you do that, guess what that sets up? The screen game. And if you can, if they know that you're a capable blocker and you're not just a speed bump on the way to the quarterback, um, they have to honor you as a blocker. And that's why you're not seeing a lot of screens with Jameer Gibbs. Um, on, and also you're not putting Gibbs in the backfield and using him consistently as a receiver out of that backfield because if teams don't know all the time that you're just going to be, uh, you know, a, a route runner out of that situation then it gives them a little bit of an easier opportunity to key on the things they want to key on. The other thing is, is that contrary to the analytics crowd who used to say, oh, David Montgomery sucks in the red zone. Well, maybe the answer was, after all, when you watch the, you actually watch the games a little bit more, is you see that, oh, the offensive line in Chicago wasn't very good and that David Montgomery made good decisions. So, of course, you got a big, thick back who is going to be able to run through people and make decent moves. He's going to be able to find those creases and they're going to reward him with his pass protection, probably with more opportunities in the red zone. Jameer Gibbs looks good. I, you know, from what I'm seeing, he looks just fine. He's just not getting all the opportunities that people want. And yes, Deandre Swift is getting way better production, but they have one of the most dynamic runners in the game at the quarterback position. And guess what that does? You can use zone read principles and put yourself in a situation where the man-on-man -man advantage between the guys in the box to whatever side of the field you're going to run to, you have one to two more men who are available um, to block than defenders are able to try to attack. And when you have a one, two, or even three-man advantage, you're getting chunk plays on the consistent level for DeAndre Swift that Jameer Gibbs isn't going to get because Jared Goff is never going to be mistaken for Jalen Hurts as a runner. Um, but speaking of two runners, Cam Akers, Alexander Madison. Are you feeling any of these guys? They ran all over the Panthers um, mm. this week, but does that really matter anything to you? I, I mean, no, I'm not. No, I mean, <laughs> like, so Madison, I hope, continues to deliver like he has the last couple games. And if he doesn't, Cam Akers is going to deliver, get the chance to deliver more than, you know, he otherwise was going to, clearly in Los Angeles. So, um, I, you know, I'm happy that Madison is, seems to be finding his footing. This is going to be a pass-heavy team no matter what. And I think that's going to be the big problem uh, for both of them. I mean, they're, they're going to be more than willing to throw the ball or way, way more than willing to throw the ball. Uh, and, it, and it's going to be a limiting factor in some games. And now they're limiting factors for each other. Uh, it's not a great situation from a fantasy perspective. No, it isn't. And But we haven't had a great situation for running backs from a fantasy perspective this year. So with that in mind, what I would warn people about or 
let people know about us watching these two players. We know that Cam Akers is probably a faster runner than Alexander Madison, but if you actually watched last week's game, what you'll notice is Alexander Madison is far more decisive, understands what's going on with the offense better, looks quicker, um, is making his decisions without any tentativeness at all, whereas Akers looks maybe a quarter to a half step slower than what you would expect from him, but it's because he's still kind of figuring out this offense and the calls, and he's still thinking through things. So Madison looked really good last um on Sunday, Akers looked produced well, but Had looked a, nice a little run. slower than what you yeah. would expect. Um, and really, the the common denominator is that the Vikings' offensive line blew the Panthers off the line of scrimmage. They're not going to do that every week, and they're not. So right now, <laughs> for the next couple of weeks, Madison may be the more comfortable looking back, um, but Akers eventually still has an opportunity <clears throat> to play into this. So if you Didn't have much. one, try to get the other, I guess. Unless you're feeling murky backfields, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, there's a lot of them though, and you're, like your point is, I mean, this this is just you know something we're gonna have to deal with and work through as we come to grips yeah. with the uh, with the direction the NFL's taken with these running back groupings yeah. uh, that seem to be all very popular, yeah. except in Los Angeles where Tyron Williams keeps continues to get yeah like nine nine thousand percent of the work. Yeah. And, and, the fuck's up but, with that? but even Ronnie Rivers looked good, and I always liked Rivers as a scat back, but I never really thought stop of it back, that kind of thing. Hey, now I like Ronnie, but you know. Jaleel McLaughlin, speaking of Zach, you know, scat backs that, you know, I've been crowing about since probably January. McLaughlin gets in the game with Javante Williams dealing with that hip injury and looked pretty darn explosive. Um, this has you, been his lane. This yeah. has been his lane. Every time we've seen him, the people who cover the team on a daily basis have been pleasantly surprised by what he's done. This might be. He might get increased. I, I, I'm guessing increased opportunities are coming. We'll see. I don't know what Javante Williams' hip injury, if it's serious or going to cost him time or whatever. But for sure, to me, this is going to be – we're going to see more, more McLaughlin going forward. Yeah, but we're still going to see a lot of Samaje Piran, even if yep. Williams isn't there, because Piran has the power back and he can pass protect in a way yep. that McLaughlin is struggling with. But listen, we don't struggle here other than maybe for time. Um, but we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. You can find old football diehard here over at football diehards and on Twitter at football diehard. You can find old Matt Waldman at Matt Waldman um, on Twitter, X, Pluto, whatever we call it. And of course, at Matt Waldman, RSP.com. And uh, thanks again for listening. We do love you all. Appreciate it. Feeling the listeners. Feeling it. Love you, Matt. Bye. Bye.